The US is preparing a fresh legal fight to extradite Julian Assange and try him for espionage. A large protest is expected outside the High Court in London when the appeal kicks off this Wednesday. Though his extradition to the US has been blocked, Assange remains behind bars in London's Belmarsh prison. If extradited and found guilty by a US court, he faces a term of up to 175 years. Others close to Julian believe he will just disappear. Alex Hills from Candles for Assange, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. Tell us about Candles for Assange and how did you come to be involved in this great cause? Well, um, I guess I I realised in New Zealand that no one was actually standing up and supporting Julian. Um, um, There was a lot of global protests at the time that I was trying to help out with um, and just get them circulated, do graphics and all that sort of stuff. But there was no one in New Zealand, so I started getting interested in doing um, little um, actions in Wellington around 2018. And then we did this viral birthday image uh, for Julian's um, 47th birthday, I think it was. Um, We did a sort of viral candle display outside the parliament in um, New Zealand, and it just went everywhere. And then later on, we did a Julian Assange song, and it, it, it went wide. So in 2019, on Julian's birthday, um, we decided to, Wellington invited the world to a free press birthday protest. Um, and we were absolutely uh, gobsmacked when 62 cities joined up with us. Wow. Um, and so I guess as New Zealand sees the sun first, people in other big groups were asking me, could you please set an example and put out your action as quick as possible on you know, video footage and, and, and set the, the global events going and I guess that just eventually morphed into me listing protests for free press for Julian um, to the point that we actually had about uh, 55 cities listed doing weekly or fortnightly actions just before the trial um, 2020 before all the COVID Mm. stuff happened yeah so I guess that's that's how uh, I got started and a few musical stunts uh, hula hooping with the violin going into New Zealand Parliament and doing a rogue speech, which got very widely reported and translated around the world. Um, I think all these things just helped um, get me more well-known amongst the supporters, in, and they trusted me. Hmm. And then it became a, a networking service, I suppose. Is there growing support for uh, Julian's release? I mean, you and I have that uh, the same view that we believe he should be released, and this is all a, a setup anyway, that goes right down into the, into the sewers of, uh, of uh, politics and corruption. But what about the support around the world? I mean, we hear a bit here and we hear a bit there, but mainstream media, being what they are, don't do a whole lot of good. But what about the broad base? Is there that growing support? Well, I mean, I can only give you a, a kind of comparison, I suppose, of what it was like to go on the streets in 2018. Um, and we did that in response to him being disconnected from the internet, which, by the way, I'm convinced all happened because of all what's rolling out now. But, um, yeah, so um, I guess uh, these actions that I've been doing had um, created this feeling of solidarity. Other people have been doing it all around the world. It's by no means just me. I just happened to list the world protests. But the difference between someone on the street in Wellington in 2018, I would have the odd feminist literally spit at me about, you know, the Me Too implications because they believe the Sweden smear. I had 
people who were concerned about the classified information being released, you know, elderly gentlemen, they'd be very angry with me. Um, now, it's like they're embarrassed to say that they don't support. And most people are just coming up asking questions because they don't know who he is. I mean, partly that's the algorithm bubble that keeps us mm. preaching to converted, you know. But um, I did a, a billboard on the motorway um, not very long ago. It was a bit of a holiday time in January. We had um, every five or six cars were honking their horn or someone was putting their arm out the window, something. Um, we were being very animated on the bridge of the motorway, but I think that it showed that the support has come full circle and now it's almost embarrassing to be one of the people that's trolling Assange now. Can you give us an update, though, on recent developments in his case? It is sort of coming to a, a crescendo now, isn't it? Yes, I mean, there's been an awful lot of twists and turns, but, I mean, um, most people probably are aware that he was in the embassy for eight years and that the uh, UN said that he was arbitrarily detained. Um, then that when he once he got uh, kidnapped from the British, um, sorry, the Ecuadorian embassy in Britain, um, he's been really tortured, 23 and a half hours uh, solitary confinement a day ever since. When it came to the February 2020 trial, the beginning, um, I think that, um, that he had been really, really tortured just before the case. And some of the journalists there said that he couldn't remember his name because he'd been kept in a hot cell. He'd been, you know, woken up all night, handcuffed, mm. strip search six times, you know, during the night. And he was just delirious by the time he got in his glass box in the court. So um, very distressing, really, seeing this progress in the most recent trial, which was actually the um, extradition hearing actually decided that he would not be extradited because of his mental health and suicide risk, and particularly in view of American prisons and his likely treatment. Um, so, you know, that, that was the reason, the only reason that they refused the extradition and unfortunately, um, the judge agreed with all the worst free press arguments and espionage, everything that the U.S. was offering up, they agreed with, except for that he couldn't go because of his mental condition. Now, come to August, journalists in the court seeing the virtual court said that they didn't even recognise Julian when he came in. He, he looked so elderly, um, so, so frail. And unfortunately, in the last um, hearing, we found out that the US now get to try Julian on not only they, they need to go and revisit all that mental health stuff, which they previously weren't allowed to do. And that is really awful in context of his partner, Stella, who wasn't brought up in the case for a good reason. Her identity was kept secret, but the court made that be revealed. And um, so therefore, he hadn't used Stella or the kids in any of the other legal arguments. So now they're going to use that and drag her and him all through it again. And we get to have to go through this uh, mental health evidence, which is very distressing. Um, I imagine for him it's it's awful for his partner to be affected by this as well. So, yeah, lots, lots of things going on and even more twists and turns coming up, uh, you know, later after that. Yeah. But it's hard to know where to start to explain such a complicated story. It's interesting. The I mean, he, he's not a terrorist. He's a, a journalist. And without WikiLeaks, uh, many of the uh, the bad things that we know about now would never have been brought to our attention. Why do you think a journalist, not a terrorist, why do you think a journalist 
is being treated so badly as if he is that terrorist? Well, I mean, they're trying to link him to espionage and call him a high-tech terrorist or a... I mean, they're trying all sorts of things, but I really believe that the reason they are doing this is to set an example in in plain sight, the torturing and persecuting someone who never did anything but 15 years of accurate documents which have never had a single retraction. He's upset the left and the right, so it's very difficult to get that kind of support in from from the government, as you know, but there are a number of working groups, cross-party working groups in many countries, unfortunately not New Zealand, but um, pretty much every Western country has got uh, active parliamentary people, or at least one, speaking mm. out. There have been many events organised in different parts of the world. Now, when this goes to where, uh, some would have happened, but can you tell us about these events and their aims? Yeah, so... Candles for Assange, which is the global group that kind of arose out of that um, New Zealand action, we are listing protests all the time for Julian, especially when we're all trying to do one on the same day. And at the moment, we're listing 60 events going between the 22nd of October um, during the trial, which is the Wednesday and Thursday, 27th and 28th. So um, there is 60 events altogether in that mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're coming in all the time. Um, about 37 cities in total, 14 countries. So it's a wonderful array of events everywhere. We help people with graphics. If they want to do an online show, we can help them do an online protest and air it. Um, we help with promo. We just want to be a sort of support network to try and encourage as many more actions to happen. And as I said, our record is one day, 62 cities. So we've had all sorts of t- twists and turns in the media to do with the Siggy in Sweden, in Iceland, sorry, um, who's the prosecution's main witness who basically um, said that he just lied. It was a completely fabricated uh, testimony. So that's their star witness. And we've had the recent revelations about the CIA um, and Pompeo basically sketching out ideas for assassination and kidnapping, which have more or less been tacitly um, confirmed. Mm. Um, yeah. But those articles have been used to smear. Though that information has been out for a year. I think Max Blumenthal covered it over a year ago and many other alt media covered it. But unfortunately, now it's coming out and being confirmed by multiple members of US government. But in the background, they're using it to bring in, you know, Russian spy smears and things that are just factually complete bogus. Mm. Um, That's a, a bit upsetting. And worst of all, Netflix have decided to air something at um, midnight Pacific time on on Sunday, so late at night on Saturday in America on Netflix. And it's an old documentary full of smears, Mm. reinforce the the, the bogus Sweden case that was never a case. It will, you know, reinforce the Russian smears and Mm. spies and espionage. So we are doing a global real-time debunk um, led by Rose McGowan, um, who we live streamed yeah. last week, and uh, we're going to do a live time, uh, real time kind of live debunk of um, the actual documentary as it's being aired yeah. in all the headquarters around the world. So hopefully that's going to be about eleven cities. What yeah. are the issues at stake? It's not just Julian. There's many others, aren't there? No, it really isn't just about Julian. And um, I think this is why so many mothers like me are doing this because really our children are not going to be allowed to hold their governments to account by any measure if we don't 
fix free press and keep this um, free press going. It, it's so fundamental. And the whole act of making an example of Julian, torturing him in plain sight, is scaring off journalists all around the world. Not to mention the fact that it's allowing uh, the precedent to be set, that you can take a journalist from any country in the world if you don't like what they said and, and, and drag them into a country into a black site. And that's just a, a very scary mm. precedent to be setting in this day and age, in this disinformation age. We can see the effect of journalists being too scared to report the truth. Mm. Quite horrifying what's taken mm. place. The two gulags of COVID, I like that one, I must use that more often though, um, are New Zealand and Australia. I mean, they, they, oppress, they oppress the their citizens to no end, uh, all, all to make your life safer, which is we know is a lie. But mm. when it comes to, I mean, and both both governments, both uh, Ardern and both Morrison, they're both gov- governments. They're terrible prime ministers, terrible governments, and they they treat the truth like like it's just a, a commodity they can turn on sometimes and turn off other times. It's just very very bad. But when it comes to Julian Assange, what what's been happening? Uh, from the New Zealand government and uh, Australian governments. Uh, first of all, has anything been happening? Well, Australia is doing much better than New Zealand. I mean, we're doing great from a sort of support network mm. uh, kind of position, but from the government, we're doing atrociously here. Mm. At least in Australia, there's a cross-party working group. You've got a number of active cities, although they were quite shut down during the lockdown, but you've got a number of active cities doing protests, uh, there's the Assange campaign, there are multiple campaigns going on. So, you know, it's good to see in Australia there's a little bit of political will as well. In New Zealand, on the other hand, I don't think there's anywhere in the world that we've seen quite the blackout that we have on Julian that we have in the New Zealand press. I think the New Zealand press have got to be even worse than the Australian mainstream media. It's it's pretty awful. Um, They've really hidden any information that is useful about Julian here. We had a petition in 2018, part of that whole candle display that happened in the beginning um, and setting up Free Assange New Zealand. Um, And um, we we put that petition, we got it into um, Parliament and uh, the select committee were considering it. And all we were asking was, could we discuss um, supporting and offering potentially asylum to Julian Assange in Parliament. That was the actual petition. It wasn't to achieve it, it was just to discuss it. And New Zealand threw it out and said we have no jurisdiction to offer asylum to Julian, um, which was a pretty atrocious answer. On the other hand, you've got all these governments around the world, particularly in Europe, Um, But politicians in um, America and all over the world, Britain, Ireland, they are supporting Julian, um, but there's not a single person uh, in the New Zealand government. In fact, when I have actually stood up and talked to MPs, um, and I did a rogue speech in Parliament in front of one and the British High Commissioner, when I have actually spoken to them, they usually cite things like he's a Russian spy or smear factor or, you know, I'm into... Uh, women's rights and I can't possibly support someone like that or, you know, just the usual Russiagate nonsense. And, um, I mean, if it's really their belief, I feel um, that it's awful that, that yeah. MPs have that kind of level of knowledge of mm. government, what's going on in the world, if that's what they really believe, and I don't really believe that. How does somebody find out more about what you do? What's, what's a web address? 
Right. Well, I do have a website, candles4number4assange.com. Mm-hmm. Um, most of my listing of current events goes on either on my Twitter pin thread for Candles for Assange or on my Facebook group, which is about 3,000 people. Um, and we have a, a pinned announcement, which always says whatever's going on at the moment. Um, so I've got my own channel, Alex Hills. I often do, um, you know, protest airing or if there's a promo video. I've also got a music news channel called Good Bad Music News, which I'm just starting up. So um, oh, that's cool. why you connect with me. Um, I always find that music and candles, they sort of deliver a kind of innocence to the protesters. And that really helps to stop, to prevent kind of co-opting and the sort of normal things that happen with anti-war or free press activists is that they get disheartened because there's infighting and all sorts of things seem to happen. And this is one way to create an innocence that they they can't call you a right-wing conspiracy nut if you're playing violin and, and doing mm. candle plays. It's, it's much harder. Uh, look, it's interesting. Before we wind up, I mean, I was talking to Piers Robinson the other day. And I said to him, don't you miss the days when there were the left and the right? Because at the moment, they've all sort of melded and it's become the have have had the vaccines and the have not. So yeah. I mean, the whole world is changing. And uh, it's um, I think the uh, the next few years are going to be very interesting. As the Chinese would say, may you live an interesting life, but not this interesting. Alex Hills, <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you for having me, Mike. Thank you.